Now we bring you part two of the mysterious story of Casper Hauser, that strange boy from Nuremberg. We'll find out who he was. That's up now. I don't know what the fuck that was. <laughs> That's terrible. Uh, okay, go ahead. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Weird Word Podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Dean, and I just did the dumbest tease <laughs> in the history of podcasts. That was lame. But here we are for part two of Casper Hauser. 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 I'll recap real quick because people like that, despite what Carrie says. Real quick, real quick here. Okay. So Casper Hauser was this supposed 16-year-old boy. He wandered into the town of Nuremberg in May of 1828. Once he was able to talk a little more fluently, which happened very quickly, he was able to tell his terrifying story of being raised on nothing but bread and water in this tiny little dark cell, really, kind of a room with two boarded-up windows. And, and how, a pot to pee in. Oh, yeah. Or a hole. <laughs> or a hole I've heard yeah. about a hole and a bucket. Yeah. Not sure. Maybe both. Yeah. And he was led to the outskirts by this mysterious person who had been his keeper his whole life and wandered into the town of Nuremberg, he was kind of handed off from one person to another, and he's learning German, he's writing, he writes his autobiography about his story. He was pretty much an instant celebrity, but after the autobiography was a big bestseller, he became really this kind of renowned throughout Europe, and all these rumors were floating about, hey, maybe, just maybe, he is some kind of a royal, some kind of a secret child of royalty. Then... He had some incidents. He had an instance where he was apparently attacked in the bathroom while he was doing his business, <laughs> and he had suffered a cut in the forehead by this some kind of mysterious person who he said was the person who had kept him. Although he had a mask on, he recognized the voice. And he was then also had a little accident where he apparently lost his balance and grabbed a pistol hanging conveniently on the wall when he suffered a gunshot wound to the forehead. He's okay again. But he's kind of, and he's kind of wearing out as a welcome. He's being caught in a lot of lies. He's become very arrogant and full of himself, from all the attention that he's getting from a lot of pretty important people. People don't like him, basically. He kind of, he quickly wears out yeah. his welcome wherever he goes. And as we ended last time, he had kind of one more chance because there was another benefactor of his from England who would take charge of Casper. And that's where we start now. That person was Lord Stanhope. Mm. Philip Henry to his friends. He was an English nobleman. He had spent, by this time though, he spends almost all his time in Europe, mostly Central Europe. He had been disowned by his father. He didn't get along with his father. He had been disowned and he was able, he had a kind of abusive relationship with his father, but he was able to flee uh, England and go to Germany with the help of his sister, who was married to a very powerful and wealthy English, English noble. He was kind of really almost like a spy, Lord Stanhope was. At least he traveled around the various courts of Europe. Remember, this is the time, there's a whole Roman Empire, but it's all just, yeah. Germany has a hundred, I don't know, tons of tons of little countries and things like that. So he was mostly in what's now more or less Germany and the Austro-Hungarian Empire, traveling, you know, knowing all the important people and just keeping an eye on things and reporting back to the English crown. It appears that he was even supported by the you know the the government the government yeah. of England or but at some point though I think he does gain his father's inheritance and 
um, apparently re-inherited and gains his lands in, in Kent and gains that money because he, he was very well-to-do. He had plenty of money, not just traveling money, but he had the money to take care of Casper in pretty wealthy style. Does his father have a title? Uh, probably. Wealthy guy. It must have been if you're a Lord Stanhope. I don't know, like a duke or something like that. He wasn't like that high, but he was from a very wealthy, noble you yeah. know, family. Stanhope took an interest in Casper pretty early on, apparently, at least according to some of the sources I read. He was behind Casper being put in the care of Dahmer, remember the schoolmaster, and had been helping to pay his upkeep off and on, just at least contributing to it. Yeah. In the spring of 1831... Stanhope came to Nuremberg and met Casper in person. And he liked him. He apparently liked him. He treated him very well. He took him to a tailor. He had oh. all kinds of new clothes made for him in the latest Parisian fashion. Nice. He bought him new boots. He bought him a music box. Got him some art supplies. Because remember, Casper's a very good drawer. And he even gave him 100 guilders of spending money. Wow. Today's value? No idea. Oh. Decent money, though. I bet you that was not a bad amount of money to be rolling around in your pocket. And he promised to one day take him back to England, and Casper loved that idea. He looked forward so eagerly to going back to England with Lord Stanhope. But for now, he's still in Nuremberg, but Stanhope basically is kind of paying his way. And he's also snooping around in Casper's story. He really wanted to know if Casper was of some kind of royal origin, and I think he kind of thought that Casper was of royal origin, or at least he took it very seriously and thought it was a a realistic possibility. By the end of the year 1831, Stanhope had been granted official guardianship of Casper, so now he's paying for his upkeep entirely. He's still in Nuremberg. He's paying for his education. He's spending time with him. He apparently grows pretty fond of, of the kid. The rumors of Casper's royal kinship, plus apparently he would say some words kind of like half-remembered Hungarian words. Like, I don't know, threw out a couple, goulash, I don't know what they were, (laughs) Magyar. And he said he would say some words that sounded to Stanhope like Hungarian, and he kind of like, yeah, I guess I kind of remember those. So Stanhope started to think, hey, maybe it's not Baden. Remember Baden? He was supposed Mm -hmm. to be the royal heir to the Baden throne. Maybe it's down in Vienna or maybe Budapest where I can go and look in the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Maybe you have something to do with the Hungarian royal family or at least like a noble family down in Hungary. Casper even claimed that he thought he maybe was the son of a Hungarian countess. How he thought that, we don't know, but he threw that out. He also would know no Hungarian words because he was an infant when he was... Remember, he, he claimed to not remember anything, not really know any, any German at all yeah. or, or words really at all or, or the ability to communicate when he was first found. So, mm-hmm. But suddenly now he remembers maybe a few Hungarian words. Yeah. And so anyway, Stanhope took this enough seriously enough to go investigate that. At this time, Hungary was its own kind of kingdom, but it was ruled by the Habsburgs who also ruled the Austrian Empire. So it was a little bit under the thumb of Austria. It would later become more of a confederation, the Austro-Hungarian Empire. But this right. time, it's kind of, kind of part of. It's not exactly true. Effectively, part of the Austrian Empire, and it was this. You know, it uh, it ruled over vast lands, not just what is current day Hungary. Current day Hungary is much smaller than what Hungary was then, because they they lost a lot of that land after World War One when Austria-Hungary kind of overplayed its hand badly yeah. and ceased to exist and became parts of like eight or nine different countries. But at the time, it was a very powerful country, and the Aust- Austria-Hungary lands were, you know, a, a 
critical, one of the most powerful countries in the world. So this is, you know, this is kind of the big time. So twice, Stanhope took Casper on these all-expenses-paid trips with him to Hungary just to investigate the possibility that there was some kind of connection there. Like, almost like, hey, how? <laughs> anything jog your memory? Look at that castle. What do you think? Ever Ridiculous. seen it before? I guess. So he's traveling through Hungary, going to all these different important families and, you know, meeting people. Mm-hmm. And Stanhope is escorting him to these important people. And like, hey, you recognize this kid? I don't know. I mean, that's the only thing you do. It, does he bear a strong resemblance yeah. to some family member? Yeah. I mean, it's very silly. The trips didn't jog any memories. Yeah. Well, clearly. But. <laughs> couldn't have any memories. Or just, or anything. Like they, at this point, they came to nothing. So he took him back to Nuremberg, Stanhope did, and he continued. He still continues investigations from Nuremberg, you know, writing letters, yeah. firing off letters to these Hungarian families and telling them about, if they didn't know already, telling them about this this kid and maybe could they conceive of any connection. Uh-huh. He also Is, is conti- anybody missing a baby? <laughs> did you know somebody who was pregnant about 19 years ago? Those are some of the good questions they were asking, I imagine. Hi, <laughs> 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 right, this year, kid? Uh-huh. Stanhope also covered the Baden part, too. He hadn't given up on that. He visited Stephanie, the former Grand Duchess of Baden, who, as you remember, was the foster daughter of Napoleon, Uh uh, related to his wife. She, Stephanie, had read about Casper's story, and she was very sympathetic. Stanhope never took Casper to visit Stephanie in person. He, He visited Stephanie himself and apparently was satisfied there wasn't much there, I guess, because he never followed up on that. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Casper's situation back in Nuremberg was starting to get a little strained. The town was kind of sick of it. They're tired of paying for at least a portion of his upkeep. So they stopped it. They stopped paying any money whatsoever and offering any monetary support to Casper whatsoever, which left him entirely in the charge of Stanhope. So now Stanhope has to pay for everything. I think this is probably late 1831, I think. Uh- he wrote a book that was a bestseller. Yeah, he didn't make that much money. Bestsellers it might might mean four hundred and twenty five people bought it. They weren't. I don't know if that what the actual okay. numbers were, but I, he didn't. He made some money from it, but I think he probably spent money. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I think he was eating well and things like that. So Stanhope now is completely in charge of Casper, and Casper's pretty much now one hundred percent relying on Stanhope's good graces. So Stanhope said, "Okay, you know what? We're gonna move out of Nuremberg. There's no connection there anymore." I know someone named Johann Georg Meyer. He's another schoolmaster, and I'm going to put you under his charge. He lives in Ansbach. Ansbach is a German city that's about 50 kilometers, 30 miles or so, to the southwest of Nuremberg. So Casper has very little choice. Yeah. Stan Hope says you live in Ansbach. You're living in Ansbach. So he does. Or theoretically, he could go get a job, right? He's an oh, adult. Oh, 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 oh no, 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 <laughs> okay. no, not Casper Hauser. I mean, it's he not could, really his style. But... Yeah, he could, but eh. yeah. Like the city fathers of Nuremberg, though, it seems like Casper was wearing out his welcome with Stanhope. I, I should say, like everyone he'd stay with, Stanhope is finally at some point he's starting, like, okay, enough. He's starting to grade on me. Yeah. So instead of taking Casper back to England with him, where he lived in Kent, to his country home, as he had promised, when Stanhope went back to England on January 9th in 1832, he left Casper behind back in Ansbach. Oh. And said, you're, you know, do what Herr Meyer tells you to do. Uh-huh. And uh, I'll be back. Still yeah. a big fan, but I'm leaving you here. 
Stanhope wrote him. He wrote him pretty regularly and, again, continued to pay for all of the expenses. He's basically paying Meyer to take care of him and yeah. paying for his, his upkeep entirely. He also kept writing to various nobles in, I guess, Hungary and other places and saying, anything? Yeah. Got anything? Any connection whatsoever? But every time, all of those efforts came up dry. Yeah. Do you think Casper loved life in Ansbach? under the thumb of this very... I'm going to guess no. No, he hated it. He hated Ansbach. He hated Meyer. Uh, Meyer was a disciplinarian. He was very strict. He insisted that Casper attend to his studies all the time. He called out Casper every time he was caught in a lie because, as you know from Casper's pattern, he started lying again, and and Meyer would catch him and, and say, nope, and discipline him. And this happened a lot. And discipline. I don't know if he oh, corporal. Okay. I don't know if he beat the crap out of him or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Made him stand against the wall. Uh, I don't a know. Ruler on the knuckles. Maybe. Probably. Wouldn't be surprised. They tra- it's funny too. They treat him like he's just a child. Yeah. Here. Because he is. He is. He's st- little. He's, he's four <laughs> foot nine, so it's not a problem. And also, he was thought of as. I mean, I don't know how much if, if he shed by now the simpleton idea. He clearly yeah. is writing and speaking fluently and and completely normally. But did this. he not grow at all once? He- oh no. No, he's four foot nine. That was it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. He's also, I guess Meyer was also a strict, very religious, so he made him do all of his religious studies as well and was going to turn Casper into a good Christian. Yeah. So Stanhope and Meyer finally said, okay, he's got to do something. Like you, I can tell from you. Yeah. Get your ass to work. So, but... In Meyer's estimation, he just didn't have the discipline to do anything with any <laughs> level of talent or creativity. So he made him a copying clerk at a law office. A very tedious job yeah. that, of course, Casper absolutely despised, but one that he thought he was capable of doing. So wait, copying clerk? Like you have to write? Yeah, right? I'm sure because they did. Yeah, you're writing like, uh, yeah, you're copying people's wow. letters and arguments and and um, you know legal documents. You're just copying them by hand. Yeah, good God, that is a tedious. There, job. I, I think I'm pretty sure there'd be just rooms of these people. There, yeah. that's a, it's a common job. You made yeah. very little money, but he was all a member. He's being augmented by Stanhope and being allowed yeah. to live free and all that. But they said we're going to put your ass to work. We got your job at a law office. Go to work. So he yeah. started going to work. Did not like it at all. And also continued to not get along with Meyer. And Meyer continued to say, you're a lying little shit. So Meyer wrote Stanhope and said that Casper is just, not just a liar, he's insufferable. I'm getting sick of this kid. You know, we got to do something. And Stanhope's letters to Casper gradually grew less and less common. Uh Uh-oh. In May of 1833, remember Judge Feuerbach? He was one of the persons who had early on taking an interest in Casper in the original days there in Nuremberg and had always been his one of his strongest supporters yeah. and had maintained a relationship with Casper. He died in May of 1833. Okay. And so Casper took it pretty hard. And Casper just, I, I, I think by this point, it's, it's middle of 1833, he's thinking, I got to change things up. But he wasn't sure what to do. So he goes on working as a copying clerk for a while. It's December 9th, 1833 now. Casper and Meyer got into their biggest argument, got into another argument, but it was a real blow up. And he knew that Meyer would write Stanhope and tell him about it. And so he, I, 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 Casper probably felt like he's in kind of thin ice. And Stanhope, by the way, was due back in Germany by about Christmas Day. So very soon, just a couple of weeks or so. Is he going to kill Meyer? <sighs> I, sure, I don't know. Okay, we'll see. We'll see. 
Casper, this is the story of a serial killer, Casper <laughs> Hauser, who went on a killing spree in Ansbach. Casper probably did though worry about what Stanhope was going to do yeah. when he got back to Ansbach about Christmas time. I'm sure he did. In fact, I, I can't. I read one of the sources that like he on um, Stan. Um, Meyer basically told him, oh, God, dude, when Stanhope gets here, oh, oh, you're in so much trouble, Casper. (laughs) Wait till your benefactor gets home. Yes. Five days later, December 14th, Casper suddenly came racing into Meyer's house. He'd been out on a walk. So he runs in. He's all out of breath. He almost fell down at the feet of Meyer, who was sitting with his wife in the living room, and he gasped out this story while he's gesturing at his chest, the left side of his chest. He says, quote, went to Hofgarten, man had knife, gave bag, stabbed, ran as hard as could. <laughs> Why he's talking like that, I'm not sure. That's the quote as I read it. I don't know if he really was talking like that, but he's it's this panicked story yeah. of being attacked at Hofgarten by a man who stabbed him. Mm-hmm. So instead of just, you know, Put me in my room and take care of me. Casper says, come back, come back. Let's go. I want to lead you back to Hofgarten. I'll show you where it happened. And so he basically drags Meyer and I think his wife also back to Hofgarten. I don't think it's very far away. Yeah. And he shows him where he's attacked. He points to the middle of this open you know, area that he says he was attacked. It's covered by snow, by the way, too, right? Okay. And they saw bl- a, a blood trail <laughs> coming away toward... Meyer's house uh-huh. in the uh, middle of this Hof garden, which means court garden, by the way. So I assume it's kind of in the middle of town. Again, it's not a very big town. And they did indeed see that Casper had a pretty significant wound in his left side of his chest. So they're very worried about him. But instead of running back and taking care of him or getting him to a doctor or something like that, uh, he, Casper takes time to tell him his story. He says, I was lured by this guy to the Hof garden. He sent me a note and I met him. And the stranger, this man, who I, apparently he says he, he, he calls him a stranger, handed me a bag, a little kind of a violet purse. And just as he's handing Casper this bag, he suddenly pulls out a knife and lunges at Casper and stabs him in the chest. Meyer calls for the police and an officer named Harlein. <laughs> officer a, Harlein? Huh? Officer Harlein. Officer Harlein. <laughs> be a good name for a balding cop. <laughs> he came to the garden and, you know, took, took the story down, I'm sure. And Casper said, we got to find that bag. We need to search for that bag. Again, he's bleeding from a serious chest wound, a stab wound. Yeah. So they do. The police and Meyer search for the bag. And they pretty quickly find it. It's just right there in some bushes nearby. And it's a little, like I said, a little violet colored, kind of a purse of a sort. And so they get it, they bring it back to, the, they're still standing in the garden here, and they open it up, and inside the bag was a letter written with pencil. The letter, or the letters that made up the words on the note seemed really odd. And I guess one of the persons there realized, hey, wait a second, this is written in Spiegelschrift. What's that, you ask? It's mirror writing. So you write it kind of, I guess, backwards. The letters are backwards so that they're really only easily read when you hold it up to a mirror. And and you look in the mirror and read them. And I guess this was something that was sort of, you know, trendy at the time. Hey, let's write in Spiegelschrift. Let's totally do that. Okay, Germany. (laughs) The note read, quote, Hauser will be able to tell you quite precisely how I look and from where I am. To save Hauser the effort, I want to tell you myself from where I come. Dash, dash. I'll explain that in a second. I come from 
dash, dash, dash. The, Bavar- the Bavarian border, dash, dash. On the river, dash, 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 dash. I will even tell you the name, M-L-O, unquote. So this assassin who just stabbed Casper handed him a bag with a note that said, here's who I am. As far as I can tell, the dashes, I looked in every source that had this written letter. And yeah. I think I, I saw um, a copy of it. It was lost in, 18, in 1945, the end of World War II, but it was kept for many, many years. Uh-huh. And they do have these dashes. It's like dash, dash, or like underline, underline. You know, does that make, you okay. know what I mean? So it's like, I want to tell you myself from where I come. And it's like, and then he doesn't. Yeah. He puts underline, underline, and then I come from blah, 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 underline, underline, on the river. Nah, not going to tell you the river, but it's on a river. And he gives him, he doesn't tell his name. He gives him his, his initials. initials, MLO, which means nothing. Yeah. So it's weird, clearly. Yeah. But it turns out Casper's wound in his chest was pretty deep. Really? Maybe deeper than he may have thought when he said, hey, let's go back to the yeah. garden and find the bag with the note. So he finally takes to his bed and he gets some medical attention. But gradually, Casper's strength begins to ebb. It becomes pretty clear that he's wow. dying. So there goes your uh, mass murderer. Uh, huh. Theory no, I didn't think he was a mass murderer. Mm-hmm. I thought he was going to just kill Meyer. Yeah, no, 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 not Casper. Toward the end, he was at times like, delirious, I guess. Once he said, quote, many cats are the death of the mouse. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Later, he mumbled, tired, very tired, still have to take a long trip, end quote. No idea what that means. He died finally on December 17th, three days after being stabbed at the Hofgarten. So how old is he by this time? 20? He would be uh, 1832, right? So uh, about 20-ish. Oh, okay. He'd been about four, four years, four and a half years, something like that, yeah. in uh, since his okay. stumbling into Nuremberg. The mysterious unseen man hmm. wasn't the only mystery surrounding this death and this attack of Casper. When he and the Myers had arrived at the Hofgarten, and later, I think the policeman as well saw this. They noticed that there was blood in the snow, as I mentioned, and they figured, okay, that's Casper's. They also noticed though, and that there were footprints, like you'd expect. But how many footprints were there? There was one set of footprints. Yeah. There was a set of footprints going out to the middle where there was some blood, and there's the same set of footprints coming back on the way back to Meyer's house yeah. with the same boots, the same exact footprints, Casper's footprints, and only Casper's yeah. footprints. As you can tell, I, I, you're holding your, Carrie's holding her tongue. She's, because I've told her 18 times that we'll get to that and we will get to that. Well, no, I was going to ask. What? Did they, I'm assuming they looked for a weapon. Good question. Because yeah, the, you're right. Presumably that the assailant took it. Yeah. Okay. Took the knife. Okay. But when they go back and look and only see one set of footprints, are they not suspicious? We will get, they, they actually had a court hearing about this. Yes. Okay. They buried Hauser in the city cemetery in Ansbach, and they collected money for a headstone. The epigram was written in Latin on the headstone, and it read, quote, Here lies Caspar Hauser, riddle of his time. His birth was unknown, his death mysterious, 1833. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, 1833. Yeah, so it was about five years. He'd been around yeah. for about five years, so he was probably 21-ish. Yeah. They also later, the city of Ansbach later erected a monument to him in the city's Kaf Garden, the court garden, yeah. and it read, quote, here lies a mysterious one who was killed in a mysterious manner, end quote. I like the gravestone one a lot better. Yeah. That was cool. So there was some blowback. There was yeah. some 
interest in his story, not everyone was a true believer. He, a lot of people believed in, in what he was saying, and he was a, a, a source of tremendous amount of interest and theorizing and conspiracy theories. But there were also, from the beginning, there was a tremendous amount of suspicion about yeah. his stories as well and everything. And it was really kind of centered on kind of three things, maybe his origin story, his de- his attacks, let's call them, yeah. and then, of course, his supposed royal lineage. So let's kind of take those one at a time. His origin story first. We'll we'll just get right to the point. Casper's origin story is it, stupid. The tale of where he came yeah. from Nuremberg and all everything that that it's it's fully loaded. Yeah, obvious nonsense. It's a complete impossibility, and there are so many reasons why. Let's just start with. But I could also see that they wouldn't know all of the. Reasons You're right. Some of these then. reasons are now given yeah. what we know now, but a lot right. of them were not. Yeah. So let's start at the beginning. Casper supposedly brought up in near darkness in a tiny room from before he could even form memories. At least, if you believe the letter, he was an infant. Right. And he came out, age 16, a healthy, well-complexioned young man who could walk and talk and very, very quickly learn to write and speak pretty flawlessly. Yeah. Just physically, let's before we go into yeah. the learning part of that, let's talk about the physical part of that. The sheer fact that he survived this kind of life at all yeah. to age 16 is massively unlikely. Yeah. He had a terrible diet, rye bread and water. Yeah. That's it, his entire life. He would never have re- even reached four feet nine. No way. Yeah. He it would have left him prone to all kinds of illnesses. He yeah. he never had he never talked about any memory of being seen by a doctor again any care other than a scent of you know once in a while having his hair cut and his nails cut and only then after he's dosed with opium. Yeah. So if he did survive though, and just he just being alive, he still would have had things like rickets. Yeah. That's from a lack of vitamin D that you get from sunlight. He said very explicitly he never saw any sunlight. Mm-hmm. He has kept his literally from infancy to age sixteen, you're kept in a dark room. Yeah. You would have you get no sunlight exposure. You'd be at best sort of a soft bone invalid from yeah. rickets. He and he did kind of remember he initially kind of sort of walked funny, yeah. but otherwise he was very healthy. And soon he was walking perfectly normally. Remember, yeah. the jailer said he walked up 90 steps in the castle, get to a cell on the first day. Yeah. So it wasn't that bad. He would also have had another one. What's another one that you, you get with that kind of diet? Scurvy. Scurvy. And you need that. You need vitamin C mm-hmm. to battle scurvy because rye bread just isn't all that nutritious. And a multitude of other yeah, there really are. deficiencies. In short, he would have been at best a pale, hunched, crippled, toothless from scurvy, anemic mess of a person, or more likely he mm. never would have made it to age 16 at all. So that's just the physical, the, yeah. the just purely physical. And again, they didn't know all of that then, but they knew some of it. They, they had to have sounded ludicrous yeah. that bread and yes. water, really, you don't, you don't raise kids like that. Yeah. Now for his mental state, though, since Casper's time, there have been decades of study into child development, and that leaves absolutely no room here either. Casper would have yeah. been severely mentally disabled, if that's yeah. the right term. Who who have been? He would have been completely nonverbal, yeah. right? I don't think he ever would. Uh, he probably yeah. would not have survived. No anyway, way. You can't. A baby can't have zero interaction with a, another yeah. human being. He yeah. He would never be able to to He'd learn have, to talk. He not learn how to talk. He wouldn't yeah. have be able to interact with other people. No. He some some version of that, and it would have always been like that. You don't yeah. pick that up in days. No, he would have missed the most formative years. Yeah, and would have almost certainly never learned to speak or write. 
would but, never be able to have any sort of relationship with a person. Yeah. I mean, but also, okay, so this man gets him as an infant, and as soon as Casper is able to form memories, yeah. the man is always masked, yeah. and you know he he's not talking to him very much, right? Very little, very little contact. So, yeah. once in a while, he would tell him to face the the, the wall. Yeah. So if he's an infant, who is this man? Coming in and holding a bottle. <laughs> that's a good point. Every well, few let's hours. Just, okay. Let's say before and he's he's until he starts forming memories. Maybe he did. Yeah. Maybe he was actually put in the room at the age of three or something. But it's like so that. silly. If this person taking care of him is such a horrible person, right. is is he really going to take the time <laughs> to keep a baby alive? Yeah. Just to keep him in a room. It just it. Well, we'll talk about that. Actually, we do have there's some theories on on why that may have occurred. Yeah. But sticking just going back to the idea of his um, intellectual development he but would yeah. have, he would have never formed speech no. and, and writing like that let alone picking it up at lightning speed yeah. like he did now they didn't know that in 1828 but we do now and so casper's version of his upbringing is just preposterous by those grounds alone he would not have yeah he would have been a complete yeah. they, back then they would have called an idiot i imagine they had some idea they had that, to have i mean yeah. people raised babies I in know. the 1800s so they did they didn't have maybe the the child psychology to to quote from and yeah. the studies but they had a i'm sure they had a sense of yeah. that in 1970 this german psychiatrist named carl leonard wrote quote if he had been living since childhood under the conditions he describes, he would not have developed beyond the condition of an idiot. That's a 1970 word. Yeah. Indeed, he would not have remained alive long. His tale is so full of absurdities that, that it is astonishing that it was ever believed and is even today still believed by many people. Yeah. Unquote. That was in 19... 19- oh, t- uh, that, yeah, that's bizarre. People People today. That yeah. was 1970 he wrote that? 2024, yeah. people believe that as well. Yeah. Notice what I did there. Mm-hmm. Casper also supposedly had a photographic memory, and he would that was cited as something that allowed him to learn so quickly, yeah. but that wouldn't help you develop. Your brain's his not brain, developed. Yeah, his brain would never have developed. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. He wasn't just remembering things. Yeah. He was speaking fluently. He was writing fluently. Yeah. Also, doesn't that seem super convenient? I'll bet you $1,000 that was suggested by Casper. Like, hey, I have a photographic memory. Yeah. Just like, hey, I can read in the dark. Mm-hmm. Could he? Or did, was he just citing some Bible verses that he had memorized? Yeah. Hmm, I don't know. Just he had some convenient things, like, like being able... Also, like the handwriting. Oh, and by the way, his handwriting is going to be just exactly like mine, wrote the laborer who took yeah. care of him to cover that base. There were other little conveniences that Casper... Apparently, I think he just didn't think him through. Yeah. So like he said... He, I can only. Re- it was said at the beginning that he could only repeat the words "I want to be a cavalryman" as my father was, yeah. and also say "horse" uh-huh. when he was first found. Remember that was about all he could say. He said he didn't even know what those words meant. He was just sort of right. trained them and didn't know what he was writing when he was writing Casper Hauser. He was trained by the guy holding his hand. Right? If all that is true, how did he understand? Anything said to him at all. Yeah. And we know he did because the early chroniclers said, we asked him questions and he answered, don't know, don't know. How would he know that he didn't know? Right. How do you know the words don't know? Yeah. How, how, he had to have been absorbing the, the, the uh, language that they're asking him, the questions they're asking him enough to say don't know. Yeah. 
so it, and it falls on his face. It's a gaping hole. He didn't think that one through. Well, because he was a young yeah. kid who doesn't know. I mean, I, he, well, think about it. The, it would have you would have seen these people open their mouth, and weird sounds are coming out, and yeah. you don't know what any of those weird sounds mean. You don't say, "Don't know." Yeah. But no one thought that. All right, all right. So again, like you're, you're probably right. But a lot of people probably realize, okay, this kid's full of shit. Yeah. But a lot of people do not. And of course, how just being opiated every every yeah. couple of few weeks? Wouldn't you eventually? Isn't that pretty dangerous? Do you think you would have OD'd him somewhere along the way at some point? I don't know. Yeah, maybe not. I, maybe you're really good yeah. at your dosage. I guess. Or, or wouldn't you? Would you be an addict? Would you have turned him into an opium addict? I mean, he's given him opium his entire childhood but it was up to sixteen, just to cut his hair and nails. And yeah, stuff, I know. So but still, that's it, gonna be not. That infrequent? Well, infrequent enough that you're I not suppose. Getting yeah, dependent. I guess you're right. You wouldn't okay. be dependent on it. I guess not. Okay, but why even do this? You've yeah. raised this docile creature since infancy. Yeah. Even if you want to disguise your identity, why do you have to go through that? Yeah. You just put a mask on, walk into the room, do whatever you wanted to do to him. Yeah. You wouldn't have to go through the opium. It was in my mind. I think it was like the whole poisoning thing. It sounds really dramatic. It makes for a right. great story, Casper. Just probably it was kind of a dumb thing to add yeah. to the story because it's so it makes things even less realistic than they already are. But you know he couldn't help himself. Yeah. And why all the nice stuff? Why even cut his hair? Why even cut his it, it, nails? exactly? And yeah. If and if there was some sort of, I would think it not a threat, but more of a you keep him alive until yeah. whatever sometime. Yeah. Year, then yeah. you'll get paid or whatever. Yeah. Then you're gonna treat him a little bit more like a human being. Why I wouldn't would you? Think. Yeah, I get that you have to keep him imprisoned, but it doesn't have to be in this tiny cell and you're an only bread and water and you're treating him terribly yeah. and you're open and you're giving him drugs every yeah. couple of few weeks, whatever. And, and then okay, but if you are like that, why does he then walk into town with a silk lined hat? These uh-huh. fairly, they sound like nice clothes, some gold dust, some religious tracts he cannot read, yeah. and I, I, and monogrammed handkerchief with KH <laughs> on it. Really? You're going to yeah. give a, this this kid you've treated, you've had in a cell all his life, a monogrammed yeah, handkerchief. That makes sense. Seems so. a little weird. Yeah. Andreas Hittel, remember he was his original keeper in the castle cell. He also noticed a, a scar on Casper's right arm that to him looked like a smallpox vaccine scar. And you're probably wondering, mm. they had that back then? Because I know mm. I did. This was pretty rare, but it did exist. They had smallpox vaccine, but it was rare, and it was generally people from well-to-do, people yeah. from wealthy, or, or at least I think I got the sense that you know middle class and up kinds of families, poor people. Certainly, why would you get this kid you've never taken out of a cell a smallpox right, vaccine? How do you would, even get a smallpox yeah. vaccine? I know it's little things like that, but then the big thing, of course, is just the lies. We all, for sure, Casper was a pathological liar. Everyone was around him said so. And indeed was astounded by it. It yeah. was a nonstop series of lies. And even starting with the two letters, which were clear forgeries, they were written by the same person, obviously. And that person was indeed Casper for sure. They, I mean, people yeah. early on noticed his writing was just like that. That's why the whole, oh, his writing's going to be like mine, just FYI. So they, I mean, he, he was this kind of pathological liar. Why do you, I mean, that li- liar's going to lie. Yeah. So that gives him zero credibility for anything he says, including, of course, his origin story. Yes. Um, okay, so that's that's the basically that. Oh, but even his age, too, by the way. Remember his birth, his 16 years old thing yeah. was from the letter that said, gave a birth date. That's pretty convenient, too. 
was he really 16 years old? Don't you think someone who comes to your town who's lost and was raised so terribly at 16 gets a lot more sympathy than someone who's 26, whatever, yeah. 24, 30, mm-hmm. you know, something like that? I, it could be he, he was just a short dude. Right. And he was, I, I, I doubt very much he was 16 years old. Yeah. I think he was older than that for sure. But he was he was four nine, but like like he never grew. Yeah, far, and nothing I read said he grew. He was ever any taller than that. Yeah, so. and and I don't know medically. I mean, because because yeah, men keep growing till, typically till they're around twenty one or so. Yeah, yeah. So so he should have been growing continuously. I, nothing I read said anything but four nine. Yeah. I so if he did grow taller, they're not included in anything I read. And I yeah, if his if his nutrition was as bad as he's said it was yeah. he would never have even reached four nine so yeah so i think he just couldn't help himself he was a, i mean yeah. remember he was also indolent and arrogant yeah. he was just casper hauser at the end of the day was kind of an asshole yeah an asshole's gonna be assholes mm-hmm. liar's gonna lie and so that that again that lack of credibility should cause you to question everything he said including the ludicrous origin story that i yeah. think we just shredded he's just not he's wasn't good at making up a believable he really wasn't story. but if people want to believe it they're yeah. going to believe it and they yeah. did so how about his attacks those three times i mean those are those dramatic things that happen in casper's fairly short yeah. time his 5 years as a celebrity i guess where these three near death experiences two times were attempts to, to murder him. Did you notice, by the way, that all three of these incidences were happened right after a big argument with right. his keeper at yeah. the time? So I, I, you know, did Casper fear for his position? Did he uh, need, a, yes, yeah. need a way to kind of reframe his story mm-hmm. and be sympathetic? Or even, you know, hey, someone wants to kill me. I must be pretty important. Yeah. You know, let's, let's, it, it helped feed the conspiracy theories about his royal lineage. So, why was the story about the second one, oops, I just missed and I'll tell you in a second. shot myself? Okay. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you in a second. So, let's do the first one though. Um, why, why would they kill him? The, the first temp in 1829 in the privy where they, he supposedly was yeah. trying to stab by the person, it, he said, I recognize the voice. That was a guy who raised me. That was, mm-hmm. um, you know, why, okay, first of all, if you're the assassin, why did you disguise yourself? I mean, he wore a mask. Yeah. Why disguise yourself and then speak to Casper and yeah. say something as stupid as, you must die before you leave the city of Nuremberg. But also, if he needs to die, why'd you let him go? Exactly. It makes no sense yeah. whatsoever to have let him go in the first place. If you're going to try to kill him yeah. just a year later, why would you even, yeah, why take him to Nuremberg at all? Why let him live any day? Again, you kill him as, in his infancy. Yeah. I mean, you could say, okay, maybe he's going to get a bonus if he got Cap's Casper to age 16 and got him into the Calvary or something like that. Fine. But then why go to the trouble of trying to assassinate him about yeah. a year later or so? Yeah. And also, maybe he gave up pretty easily. You try to kill someone, you take one swipe, give him a, a graze on the forehead, and then you book it. Yeah. Why? Just yeah. stay there and stab him. He's on the toilet. <laughs> he's in a really unenviable position. And he's, and he's small. You, yes. You know, yeah. And it was a bunch of a fight. It was a very superficial cut, too. Yeah. Sounds a little bit like yes. a cry for attention yes. to me. So, and, and the sequence was very weird as well, the sequence of events. Um, some, I, I don't know if I, if I was real clear about this when I talked about it in part one, but the trail of blood showed what he did. So, he, he's remember, he's on the privy on the ground floor. Mm-hmm. The trail of blood shows him going up the stairs 
into onto the, the second floor to his bedroom and then back downstairs, not just that, but into, I guess, out of the kitchen, but to a trap door to go down to the cellar and hide in that cellar until his keeper and his wife, I think, want to walk, it came back. Right. Even at the time, people thought, okay, why did he go upstairs? Oh, I think we know. It was to hide the razor that he used to cut oh. his forehead. So he he couldn't have it on him or his person, right. and he was bleeding. So he I don't know if he didn't realize he was trailing a little bit of blood on the way there, yeah. but that's that's the theory is that he went up there to hide the razor. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And then there's a second event, right, where there again after a blow up with his benefactor this time was Dahmer, and this was was kind of a almost comedically how he slipped and almost shot himself with a pistol hanging on the wall. Uh, one source I read said that Casper's initial story was that he was attacked. It right. was another attempt to say, I was attacked. I don't know. I didn't. Not every source says this, but one source said, okay, Casper originally said, oh my God, a man came in here. He tried to shoot me. He ran out. In this case, though, the fan was like, no, we were downstairs. Right. That's impossible. That doesn't make any sense. And they challenged his story immediately so this so the idea is that he goes okay i was embarrassed i was actually and then he gave the nonsense of of being on a chair and slipping and falling and then accidentally shot himself so it may have been something like the intent may have been another attempt on my life and he had to turn it at plan b was just by the spur of the moment okay it was an accident when it was obvious that his story was nonsense right that makes sense yeah and then the third one was of course the one that resulted in his death and that one Also followed a fight, also at a time when it looked like his position there may be tenuous. He may be, may be losing his support. So he wanted the sympathy. He wanted the, you know, the, the stuff that he'd been feeding on for almost five years. And this one was just sort of um, a comedy of incompetence in, in a sense. Because yeah. if he did stab himself, he must not have realized how badly he was wounded right. because remember he, he had, he drags them back and he's, he's making them find the book. Everybody has to find that purse. Yeah. Just cause he, he didn't make sure they found it, you know, or something like that. And he's insisting people are, that's what I've read that he was insisting they go and look for the purse. And then when they found the purse, he apparently didn't ask like, what's in it. Yeah. <laughs> they just, they took it out and, and, and had that letter from this really dumb assassin. And that's another thing, of course, against the story is that that letter is ludicrous. What assassin right. is going to give you some information about himself? Any, right. What's the point of, yeah. why would you even give that to, any, to Casper? Yeah. It doesn't make any yeah. sense. No. It was, you know, it's, it's not like in the days it wasn't, this guy wasn't a serial killer, like the Zodiac who's yeah. messing with detectives. It just doesn't make any sense at all. And apparently, is very likely that that note was, of course, as you might expect, written by Casper. Yeah. The mirror writing, I think, my theory is that that was a, uh, he'd been caught, you know, having been clearly the author of some other letters, like the, the, his initial first two letters. So I think, okay, I need to disguise my writing. So mirror writing makes you write differently, doesn't it? So I think that was probably an attempt to disguise his penmanship. Yeah. That's my guess. But there were also spelling and grammar errors in the note that Casper was known to do. And yeah. Meyer could say, yeah, no, I'm his teacher. He yeah. does those same errors. <laughs> and the note was folded into this odd triangular shape that Casper was well known to, to use and fold his letters into yeah, so that he's just shape. not even very smart at all. Honestly, they're unforced errors. Yeah. he. Did, I mean, really, you're going to do the same errors, the same misspelling. It's an important letter. Go look up the word, yeah. bro, and then don't fold it into this weird triangle shape that only you do. Yeah. That's a little weird. And of course, obviously, 
with this story, there's the footprints. You can't escape right, it. Right, yeah. That's, I mean, there, you, there's no way, unless you think Casper was ironically murdered by a ghost. Yeah. Then Casper was out there in the middle of Hofgarden alone. Yeah. And stabbed himself. And then, and like you asked where the knife was. I, I don't know. He might, he probably ditched it. Yeah, and he could have ditched it anywhere in between the park and. But you said it wasn't that far. Well, I I don't know. I don't know for a fact. I'm sure it wasn't. But still, there's some place you can hide a knife. Yeah, I'm sure there is. A trash can on the curb. Right, it's before trash day. (laughs) 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 Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Maybe he even remember when he'd come running into them. He could have snuck into his room or something like that and hid it. Yeah, I don't know. He probably didn't because I think you'd know about that. They would have because he died. They found it eventually. Yeah, Yeah. but he so he probably just ditched it in some very yeah. thick bushes or something like that or buried it or something like that. Um, okay. And by the way, anybody, I, I almost feel badly about saying that Casper may have been killed by a ghost because some internet troll is going to take that seriously and that's going to be a, a new conspiracy theory. And at the time, you asked a minute ago, you know, did people suspect? Yes. As a matter of fact, they had a court of inquiry into his death, the circumstances around his death after uh-huh. he died, the city of Ansbach did. Yeah. And they found that basically they ruled that he had stabbed himself. Yeah. That they knew this was nonsense. There would have, you know, the footprints, all that stuff. They figured they they've more I guess officially ruled. Yeah. No, he did it to himself. There's no murderer here. There's no crime right. here. He did it. It was yeah. effectively accidental suicide. Uh, because right, he would have had to have um he, I, there's no one thing. I don't think anyone thinks he was trying to hurt himself. He, he never, remember his right. other two yeah. wounds were very superficial. He probably thought, I better be a little better about this one and give myself a serious one. So, you know, and it takes some, you know, it takes some balls to stab yes. yourself in the chest. But he just probably just didn't realize, you know, he just accidentally used too much strength, I guess. So, what did he, I mean, he didn't hit his heart, obviously. No, he didn't. He probably, it's 1828. Also I don't know. didn't yeah. puncture a lung. He may have, I, my uh, suspicion that he nicked his heart and bled out internally. Because he, remember, it took him three days to die. He yeah. took a while to die, and he probably just was, you know, uh, a, just a nick. If you're huh. not going to repair that, that could, that could kill you. Hmm. I, I'm guessing. It was on yeah. the left side. We know that. So it was on the heart side. So the last part of his little story is the royal part, you know. There's all the rumors, the innuendos, the conspiracy theories that he was somehow of royal lineage, and he for sure fed the fed these stories as much as he could with his sprinkled Hungarian words and his yeah. member's dream of being living in a castle, his claim weirdly of being maybe I'm the child of a countess in Hungary. I mean, so the remember just the the, the main royal contention was that he's a child of Baden, where he was supposedly swapped for a dying prince that was going right. to inherit the throne to Baden. Just to recap that, and remember though that story, and we kind of touched on it last time, but the Grand Duke was still alive, producing babies after that baby in eighteen twelve. That was supposedly right. Casper was yeah. swapped for a dying baby. So that's a tough one, and there was another person. Between that, remember that conniving countess? Yes. There was another person, and 12 years between her son and the throne of Baden. So if she was playing the long game, that's a really long game with a very uncertain payoff. There's no reason it ever needed to get to him. Yeah. And there was another baby boy. Remember, I mentioned that briefly. Another baby boy was born four years later after Casper, supposed Casper, uh, died in infancy or was actually stolen. So does that mean we should assume she also 
swapped that baby in 1816? Is there a, was there a second Casper yeah. out there that was never found? Or did she realize a mistake from the first one and have the kid murdered in 1816? It, it would have to be true for her yeah. to, if she's conniving in 1812, she's, she's, she's going to kill all the yeah. male babies. Or- so, and I think that second baby, that yeah. second boy lived about a week or so, but still, she, yeah. the, the, the Casper story was that he was taken very early on. Yeah. You asked earlier, why keep him alive? I think that the most common yeah. theory is that um, he was, they were, maybe they, he, they were supposed to kill him, but the captors gave him to what, whoever they gave him to, the laborer, supposedly, to, and, that, and that people, those people who took charge of this baby, who were supposed to kill him, kept him alive to, and to later bribe the royal family say, hey, you better oh. get some money or we're going to expose you. Here's the real heir to the uh, throne of, of Baden. Blackmail, you mean? Yeah, blackmail them. Yeah, you're right. That would explain why he had to be kept hidden and why he couldn't know who he was. I get it. That all would follow. It it wouldn't answer, though, why you'd, try, why you'd ever let him loose in Nuremberg yeah. and then try to kill him a year later. And how on earth do you think you were going to prove this kid was a royal. Yeah. You didn't have DNA testing. So yeah. and what how does that work? That and scheme makes no sense. Even if that's your plan, you, you don't treat him the way he says he was yeah, treated. I know. You you teach him how to walk. You would want you treat him, him to normally. be self-sufficient. Yeah. You'd want him to be able to go yeah. to the bathroom and dress himself and which I mean obviously Casper could do those things, yeah. but if he was really treated the way they said he was, he wouldn't have been able to do yeah. those things. And, and it just doesn't make sense to you. Why hand him over to anyone for any yeah. reason? If you have the power to snatch him and swap a baby, you have the power to yes. smack that little kid's yeah. soft head onto a rock and take care of yeah. it as soon as you get possession of the kid. Because theoretically, no they lived remotely, right? Yeah. In the woods or whatever? Yeah. You'd want them to be free labor. You yeah. You'd yeah. want to teach him to help you. Chop and, your wood. And, and why not trade, uh, raise him as your child? And yeah. then maybe at 16, Casper. Guess what? Yeah. I have a secret. Yes. You're adopted and you're a prince. Yeah. But yeah, there's no reason to yeah. put him in a, in a tiny mm-hmm. cell and give him bread and water. Does it make any sense? And there's just basic logistics against the story of the, the kidnapped baby. It was apparently, it, it is true that the Grand Duchess was very sick after and didn't see the kid right away. So that's because people know that and that's people have kind of, oh, see? She didn't like feed the baby right away. She didn't yeah. see the baby until like a day or two later, right? Because she was very sick after yeah. giving birth to him. But there were docs, there, doctors, there were nurses, there was the Duke, the father of, yeah. of this child, there was the grandmother, there was the baby's aunt. All of those people were in the room and were with the baby right. immediately after for until it died. So, how does the white lady scheme ever even happen? It would have to involve some of those people all of whom are highly incentivized to want that kid to be the next ruler of Baden. He's their family. He's their branch. Yeah. And, and you know, how, how is the Countess supposedly going to involve those people or anybody into her thing and, and keep it secret for, you know, forever yeah. until Casper shows up in Nuremberg. It, all, all, by the way, there's also, I guess, um, his grandmother of the baby has contemporaneous letters writing to people who said, oh, we just had a baby boy, and oh, he's sick, and oh, he died. It's very sad. Theoretically, those would have to be forgeries. Yeah. Uh, very clever forgeries, almost contemporaneously for that, to just to you know backfill the story. Why would they have to be forgeries? Well, they thought they had a baby that died. No, but like I said, the grandmother was there, and the grandmother went with the baby that came out of yeah. uh, um, you know, her yeah. uh, daughter-in-law. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, no, I mean, if, um, if Casper, the hell Casper Hauser thing is true. Yeah. The thing. Okay. Anyway. So, and we mentioned DNA testing a minute ago. So naturally in modern times, there have been DNA tests. In 1996, they took some samples from Casper's underwear. Ooh. Not sure who's keeping his underwear, but someone apparently did. And they tested it against descendants of distant descendants of the royal family of Baden at the time. And it showed no match. So it's like, okay, there you go. But then in 2002, another analysis using locks of Casper's hair and other items of his clothing, some kind of samples from the clothing, uh-huh. I don't know, skin cells? I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm sure how they, how they did this exactly. And this is 2002, so it's not even as nearly right. advanced as it is now. They showed no match to the 1996 samples. So everything's, oh, oh. The 19, and these were multiple samples. So, oh, that 1996 sample, that wasn't really Casper's undies. So these ones are real. These 2002 ones, we, we think those are real Casper. And they tested those 2002 samples against the descendants, and they came back with uncertain huh. results. In well, the in the shit media, this is often portrayed as oh, and it was a match. I remember one source said and it yeah. was a ninety five percent certainty. That's a flat lie. Yeah. That's not true. So if you read that, you are reading a source that is lying to you or is incompetent, and never read that source again. DNA experts have actually said that there were some genetic similarities, but they're fairly distant. Right. They are. It's better stated to say something like they don't prove. There's no relationship, but they certainly don't prove there is a relationship. Yeah. In fact, these markers apparently are seen in a lot of the German population. Yeah. So yeah. that's really all it means. And who can even say the, the providence of those supposed samples? Yeah. We have no idea who those yeah. are from. Really, you're getting good, clean samples from um, his his bodies of clothing. I don't know how they have his hair. Apparently, some people kept his hair. Yeah, allegedly. and would it be a... I wonder if they have a full DNA yeah. profile, or is it partial that they could put into like a like Jedmatch now? Yeah, that'd be cool. Well, I know like the 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 um, family of Grand Duchess Stephanie. They haven't. I guess they were asked because they're the most. They did some indirect descendants, and the most direct descendants from Stephanie have said, "No, we're not having any part of this nonsense." But yeah. anyway, the royal conspiracy story. Is it's ludicrous. Silly, it's yeah. it's silly to say, oh, maybe it's a match. It doesn't matter. It the, the whole idea of it is so dumb yeah. that if you're trying to um, you know portray this uncertain DNA as a match, you're just you're you're yeah. forgetting the first part, which is that the whole story is is ludicrous and impossible. I wonder what the um, you know, like Anne I wonder what the rules are like in I guess Germany and Austria and mm-hmm. and that those countries because like France, it's illegal. You can't yeah. do a you can't submit. Oh, really? It. Yeah, you can't oh, okay. do a DNA test. So I wonder if, you know, unless it's for a court or something like that, you can't do Ancestry or 23andMe oh. and stuff. So I wonder. So so therefore, you know, French people, there's not a lot of she. Well, yeah, that's true. In the but database. she was. But she married into a German royal family. Yeah. And I, I've, some of the descendants are like in Holland. You know, these royals yeah. married other people elsewhere, things yeah. like that. But. Um, in my mind, the royal conspiracy thing, which by the way is still believed by lots and lots of people, yeah. right? In, in the lore, yeah, is is from that family of conspiracy theories that it says like, hey, if I can think of a way for this nonsensical thing to possibly be true, you have to take it seriously. If you can't prove it didn't happen, therefore you have to pretend it realistically might have happened, and I win. So let's talk about this conspiracy there. When you can just call bullshit on it because it's so clearly nonsensical. Yeah, I, I don't. You know, just because you can think of some tenuous, weird ass way that it could have happened, 
doesn't mean we have to take it seriously and you shouldn't take it seriously because the whole idea is so stupid, the whole baby swapping thing. It's just, it's dumb. So it's a dumb story. People still pass it around because it makes him, and he knew he was smart enough, Casper's smart enough to know. I think he fully intended for that to be uh, you know, oh, I don't. You know, I don't know. I don't know if it, if somebody said, "Hey, I wonder why they'd hide a kid," and then he and and then say, "Maybe he's a royal kid," and he went w- with it, right. or if he intended for that, that to be plan. thought. I don't know. Yeah. So, but if not, what was his plan? Uh, Just to get be taken care of? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you hate your life. We'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. But so, who was Casper Hauser? Was he this foundling who was cruelly treated by? Someone with the who was just evil enough to raise him in a cell, but not quite evil enough to kill him. Yeah. Or was he this hidden royal, this inconvenience person to some powerful family? Or was he who, by the way, again, would were willing to have him, you know, raised by a labor, but not quite willing to dash his head on the rocks? Or was he a fraud, a con honest? a hoaxer, an adventurer, trying to do something different and fun and potentially enriching. There are those, by the way, who think that, okay, maybe there's some kind of truth. Maybe the upbringing part has some truth in it. And they say, hey, maybe he was an epileptic. And so his family treated him in this way because it was very confusing. It wasn't understood at the time. You know, this is not that long after people thought epilepsy was a sign that you possessed by the demon. Right. So maybe that that so they they shut him away and they raised him poorly and then they just got rid of him when he became you know too big, sixteen years old, although four nine that that. So that's yeah. that's one theory. But so then he wasn't raised the way he said he was raised. Not exactly, even but if, even if he was treated poorly. Or maybe he was. Maybe he's, he was. Maybe he was shut in a, in a room to, you know, protect him from himself and fed bread and water because they're very poor. I don't know. There's yeah, people who think I, maybe there's no. elements, you know, and here's how that could have happened. But he would have had human interaction. He yeah. would have, you know, somebody taught him how to walk. and. But in this every, case, they didn't. You know. In this case, they said, oh, oh, our kid has epilepsy. Let's put him in a little room, treat him bread and water, and opiate him when we want to cut his hair. That's, that was their solution, Carrie. <laughs> Stupid. It was their plan. And then when he's 16, we'll take him to Nuremberg. Yeah. No. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe whatever the cause. He, but here's the thing. Did Casper Hauser ever have seizures? No. And not, as far as we know. And how, how long did epileptics live? I don't know. Without any sort of anti-seizure medication? That I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. How about, though, that... He was treated badly and and was raised in some something like what he said, and it was therefore it caused him to have these delusions and caused him to make fabrications and things like that. People have said some argument along those lines. Well, he couldn't have been raised anywhere nearly no, as badly as he yeah. said. I think you're right, but there are people who kind of say, "Oh, maybe there's like elements of truth to his yeah. story," and I for mean, some reason, he could have been abused. Yeah. But he's, I, he's... It's possible. You know? I think it's very forgiving yeah. to, to think there is an element yeah. a, a, at all. Uh, some people think he was... Maybe he was mentally unstable. You know, he was this pathological liar. Yeah. Who, but he, you know, but he craved the spotlight. Yeah. He soaked up all of that adoration. He fed his fans all kinds of hints and insinuations that, hey, maybe I am. I know yeah. some Hungarian. It, it, it always served to further the legend yeah. and to further his cause. So I don't know. He, um, he wasn't a p- great at his stories. As we know, he made right. a lot of mistakes. Yeah. But he was good enough 
that anybody who wanted to believe it, he gave them some good ammunition. Yeah. Here's the thing. His thighs probably helped. His thighs? His size. Oh, his size. Oh, for sure. Being small. That may have looking been... Looking like a child. Abs- that may have been the emphasis. Yeah. Hey, I can pretend to be someone... I can pass for someone much yeah. younger than I really am. So he automatically got sympathy. Mm-hmm. And then... Yeah. You know. He was... He wasn't a great bullshitter, but he was good enough. Yeah. Uh, and and again, his, his story. What he what he whether by design or talent, he he developed a story that can be interpreted in a way that was very sexy and very exciting and very intriguing to people. Yeah. So it fed these these conspiracy theories, and, and it, it it really drew a tremendous amount of interest to his case. But everyone around him always lost faith. Even Judge, remember Judge Feuerbach, who was one of his strongest supporters. Um, eventually, even he thought Casper was just a flat out fraud. Yeah, he said. He wrote to a friend, quote, Casper Hauser is a smart, scheming codger, a rogue, a good-for-nothing that ought to be killed, Whoa. unquote. But Feuerbach was a nice man, so he never told Casper to his face that, hey, I think you're full of shit, and he died in, before Casper died. And well, so, somebody should have told him that. Well, the, his keepers did. They told him he's, they caught him in lies yeah. and called him out all the time. But Casper just kept well, lying. But, but they they called him out on lies that he was telling about things. Yes. in oh, that I, present I time. Yeah. Nobody ever said, "Hey, we don't believe." I don't know. Maybe a, they any didn't. part of your story hit the road, Jack. Yeah, you're right. Well, remember these are by definition the people that wanted to help him. Yes. So I'm sure there are a lot of people. That, like, remember the captain at the very beginning said, "I don't, I don't know. Yeah. How, I've never seen this kid. Yes. I don't want anything to do with him." I bet you they told him the story and said, "That's bullshit." Yes. Get him out of here. And, I'm sure there are a lot of people who The people like that, that did take him in initially, probably part of not wanting to turn him out would have been like, then they have to admit that they got taken advantage yes. of. Yes. Oh, that's, this that's always true. Kid, so. that, that's, one of the, that's one of the greatest um, secret weapons of con artists is that their victims very often don't want to admit it because it's so embarrassing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So that, that's very true. Yeah. Stan Hope also. Remember, spent all that time, yeah. all that money trying to prove that Casper was maybe most likely this heir to the Hungarian royal family or at least some kind of a noble family. Even Stanhope begrudgingly came to see Casper's true nature. Just after Casper died, Stanhope wrote a book. And he said in that book, it's quote, it's my duty to openly, con- openly to confess that I had been deceived. Unquote. Remember, he was a true believer. He thought yeah. it was true. Some uh, people who, had, who the cat, the pro Casper types, the pro conspiracy theory types, they say, "Oh, Stanhope was was not. He was a spy. He was there to do bad things to Casper." That's. I mean, no, that doesn't make any sense. Why go out there and try to find these royal connections so diligently if if yeah. that was true? Yeah. I, I Stanhope clearly believed it, but Stanhope was that weird person who was a true believer who then looked into what he was he believed in and he actually let the evidence make the decision for him yeah. and he followed the evidence and when that evidence showed that Caspar Hauser was full of shit in this case didn't have any royal connections whatsoever he chose to actually oh my god forbid say i was wrong <laughs> which is so rare especially yeah. these days yeah. in his book he would he would later say quote i may be the only man that ever wrote a book to prove himself in the wrong end yeah. quote and it's true for him very good for him. He saw there was no there there, and he admitted it. Yeah. You just don't. It's a breath of fresh air in our, in our, our world we live in now. Yeah. Uh, Carl Lander, the psychiatrist from Germany, said that, quote, Kasper Hauser was 
As other authors already opined, a pathological swindler. In addition to his hysterical makeup, he probably had the persistence of a paranoid personality since he was able to play his role so imperturbably. From many reports on his behavior, one can recognize the hysterical as well as the paranoid trend of his personality. End quote. Now remember, Leonard's a psychiatrist, so thereby law have yeah. to write like like that, which is just utter gibberish. Yeah. What it really means. And what really you don't you can cut through the bullshit, the psychological nonsense. He was a he was a he fraud. Paranoid. That's no. weird. I know. Yeah. Well, it's I, like I said, honestly, it's some some of these people they can't help themselves. Yeah. It's their discipline. So you try to put it in the words and, and recognize it in, in your world. Just just cut through the bullshit. Yeah. He was full of shit. He was a, 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 a hoaxer, a fraudster from day one. If I had to diagnose him, I'd diagnose him as a psychopath. Oh, for sure. No question. And and then, you know, you may say, okay, well, okay, maybe he's a con man. But he's a pretty damn good con man. But we've seen, it wasn't that great. No. So, I mean, think about it. No, what again, it, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, if he was 5'9 yeah. and showed up with this yeah. cockamamie story, I, I think they would have booted him out. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, how about today? If a boy showed up today with these two letters that pretty soon became <laughs> obviously written by him yeah. and this patently ludicrous story of his upbringing that was mm-hmm. instantly disprovable. Yeah. And would that con man have lasted uh, 10 minutes, let alone remain the center of attention for five years? Yeah. No. Or maybe he would. Remember Ray that oh, we started yeah, yeah. our story with. He was the kid who walked in from the woods into the center of Berlin in 2011. By the way, you played that perfectly. Thank you for that. Um, not long after Ray's story became public, a German newspaper did indeed, as I think you said, publish a picture of him right. to help identify him. Yeah, It was fairly ridiculous because the German government made them blur the picture because he was Ray a minor. was a minor. So, <laughs> this, does, this look, does this fuzzy thing look kind of like, does that look like your kid's shoulders? I mean, That's just hilarious. so dumb. So the, all they published at the, in the early days of this was a blurred picture. It's ridiculous, obviously. Minor or not, you want to find yes. that kid's family after this terrible story of being you know, alone in the wow. woods with his father. He can't remember anything. He doesn't know who he is. This is 2011, you say, right? What about DNA? The authorities did indeed ask Ray for DNA, but Ray refused to offer them a sample, at least initially. Finally, he's prevailed upon in November of 2011. And so they, they took his DNA. They sent it into the police. They put it through a police database mm-hmm. in Germany. They also sent his unblurred picture to Interpol, as well as DNA and his fingerprints. And they sent it through the Interpol system. And the results were nothing. nothing. Yeah. He was not a criminal. Yeah. Ray had no criminal record as far as they could say. But the, they weren't. They didn't just do that. They searched for like the anywhere that looked like what he described, where he came from, the forest he'd come from. They yeah. searched for the supposed stone-covered uh, grave site of his father. Now it's not surprising that they didn't find those things. I don't think, but they were coming up empty with any way to corroborate his story. And yes, they didn't have a picture, or at least a blurred picture, but they did give his complete description yeah. in the newspaper, and there's no one that came forward to claim him. One old couple from Switzerland said, oh, we think that's our grandson who went missing, and they came to Berlin. And Oh, this, okay, sorry, it's not him. Yeah. I mean, 
that's more corroboration of a story because he doesn't. Yeah, have, it is. I mean, not well, really, but theoretically, wouldn't but he I have? Mean, he just said his, his mom died. True, yeah, but then his dad died, and his dad died. But you so, would have grandparents. You'd have aunts and uncles theoretically. Do they? I mean, there are people that most do people have grandparents do. and aunts and uncles. Most people do though, but they didn't find anybody. No one came forward. Yeah. Finally, the police in June 2012 said, "Okay, we because remember you're supposed to be 17. You're yeah. probably you're probably not a minor anymore." Finally, June 2012, Ray theoretically would now not be a minor anymore. He's supposed to be 17. He now should be 18. So the police said, "Okay, we're going to release a real picture of you, a not blurred picture." And they did that, and yeah. all the the media there in, in Europe picked it up. I don't know how long it was, but it was very quick. A person from the Netherlands called in, contacted German authorities, and said, "Hey, that person you're calling Forrest Boy Ray, which was had the media had dubbed him, <laughs> by the way, that's my ex boyfriend. He's 21 years old, and his oh. name is Robin Van Helsum. Another roommate of Robin slash Ray's also very soon called and said." I know him. That's my ex-roommate, Robin Van Helsum. Other friends from his hometown of Henglo, back in the Netherlands, called and said, hey, we know that guy. That's Robin. That's our buddy from back in the day, back in the neighborhood. Very quickly. Robin, it turns out, was some bored little kid. He had struggled through college. I don't know if he, I don't think he got a degree. He had this dead end crappy job. It's like an intern job, like a paid intern job. It wasn't very good. He was struggling. He was bored. I think he either quit it or was going to be fired when he just disappeared. Yeah. And he, he may have apparently walked a long way, a long part. No one's quite sure how he got from the Netherlands, Henglo, or where he was in the Netherlands to Berlin, but he got there and he, pretended to be this feral child, this mystery boy. He confessed almost immediately when they said, we've got the DNA, bro. All these people know who you are. (laughs) It's over. The jig's up. They evicted him from the shelter where he's living on June 18th, 2022, because he was only there because he was a minor. So they booted him out of that. The government said, hey, you took a bunch of youth assistance which meant you had to be a minor, you owe us that money back. In fact, we Ooh. might even charge you with a crime yeah. and charge fines. He was he was threatened with fines up to forty thousand dollars or thirty thousand euros in wow. two thousand twelve. And well, yeah, because that's fraud, right? It's absolutely yeah. fraud. But like I, all frauds, what do you think Robin's reaction was? It's like, eh, shrugged his shoulders, didn't care, did not say sorry to anybody he had tricked, did not say thank you to anybody yeah. who had helped him. Like Casper, he was this shithead. He was an arrogant asshole. Yeah. He, he was just, he was not good. No one liked him. If it had lasted longer like Casper's did, it probably would have been a similar story. He's going to be shunted from person to person who's fascinated by his supposed right. story, yeah. but quickly realizes this guy's a dick and moves him on to the next person. That's the kind of person he was. He then disappeared because he had this court case, these charges over his head. And I I think authorities were able to kind of track him after the fact from like little village. He was like village hopping throughout Germany, trying to stay one step ahead of the law. In 2013, the German court said, okay, hey, well, if you're out there, uh, Robin, we'll drop all the charges if you do 150 hours of community service. But as far as I can tell, He's never showed up right. since. Yeah. He would still be liable for potential civil damages from other people, so he has a good reason to stay on the down low, and he's he's yeah. never showed his face since. Who knows where he is, and he's probably living under an assumed name. Yeah. Ironically, remember, his, his, suppose his father died in the forest, and that's what precipitated his whole adventure into Berlin. Yeah, His father, his real father, back in the Netherlands, 
wonder where he was and had been looking for him. He disappeared and yeah. couldn't find him. And apparently didn't see the media reports and didn't, you know, remember right. it was a blurred picture. His father died in February of 2012 when Ray was at that time oh. living in Berlin as Forest Boy Ray, who was the toast of media, but yeah. his picture had not appeared yet. Yeah. So his father never found him. Aww. Now, I, so I just wonder, was Ray inspired by Casper? I don't know. Yeah. But I, isn't it interesting that they do seem very two of a kind? Yeah. They really do seem amazingly similar. So I, I, I suspect that he probably was. Yeah. I, I mean, he's in... Cent- not, well, I guess it's in, in Western Europe still. That's a it's a pretty famous story, even though you didn't know it. <laughs> yeah. I, I I would not at all be surprised that he was inspired from the Casper Hauser story. Yeah, maybe. Hmm. And that is the Casper Hauser well, story. Thanks, Dean. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, lots of details that I just didn't know. Sure, I just know his name. You know. Yeah, so there had to be a lot the, of details you yeah. didn't know. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I knew his name. I knew the gist. Okay. But yeah, not all the crazy well, details. I hope you enjoyed it. Listeners, I, we hope you enjoyed it. And that's it. Thanks we'll see you listening. next time.